Everybody breathe in the Holy Spirit. And let out his rest. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Well, what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to release the kids to their classes at this time. You are blessed. God will work in kids' church today. The Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is here. Hallelujah. And everyone else can stand up if you've already sat down. And give someone else a Holy Spirit hug, a word of encouragement. Tell your neighbor they look good today. Hallelujah. We like hearing that we look good. This could go on all day long. Hallelujah. Baby shower on Saturday coming up. Uh, baby shower and brunch in honor of the mother-to-be Grace Lendway. We may remember her as Grace Salto. It will be hosted by Lori Salto and Ginny Blanchard at Lori's home on Cedar Lane from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. this coming Saturday. Please bring a baby book instead of a card. Grace is registered at Target. If you cannot attend but would love to help get this sweet little family started, you can send a gift in the mail. And, uh, yeah, the address is up there. Otherwise, you can get it from the Facebook page. This Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., quilting. 1 p.m. Bible study with Grandma Pomp and Grandma Glennis. Uh, 6 p.m. on Wednesday till 7.30, evening prayer meeting. From 6 to 6.30 on Wednesday, there will be a Bible teaching. Phyllis will be sharing God's heart on finances. And from 6.30 to 7.30 on Wednesday, there will, there will be prayer. Uh, Light to the Nation School of Ministry will be beginning Wednesday, September 4th. We are going from glory to glory as we serve. I wanted to talk a little bit about serving this morning. And we need to give and serve with the right heart. So how do we get the right heart? We need to serve at every opportunity. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life. So what do we have to give? We have our time, we have our talents, we have our energy, we have our finances, and we need to give our love to others. And today I want this uh, glass of water to represent me and what I have and who I am, and I want to serve. Let's all pass it around and everybody take a sip. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Isn't that, anyways, uh, may I serve you? And we can serve others where? We can serve each other at work, at home, at school, and especially here at church. I don't wait tables anymore. I used to be able to be really good at that, so we'll set that down in a safe place. Um, we need to draw from the well when we serve we need His power, and we are the channel. We're unique, right? We each serve in our own way. Uh, we need His faith, His hope, His love. I don't know the future. I need God's faith that things are going to change. 
I don't always have hope in a situation. Oh, should I serve this person? They're really in a hopeless situation. No, God will give me hope. And of course, sometimes there are people that are hard to love, and sometimes I'm a little grumpy. And how many of you know that we need God's love sometimes? Amen. Um, and we seek peace. Lord, should I serve this person? Should I do this? Should I do that? Follow the Holy Spirit. He'll give us opportunities. Um, we give without expecting a reward as we expect. If I be nice to someone, it'd be nice if they were nice back to me. But I still know that God wants me to give and to serve and to love, and He will reward me for that. Um, we need to be willing and obedient. I have two ice cubes in here. One of them represents willingness and one of them represents obedience. Like when I was younger, I remember hearing about my attitude and to be willing to have a heart to serve, even when it's hard. Andrew, be willing. Be willing to sacrifice. Well, I learned that. And it's easy to think, well, every time there's a sacrifice involved, I should give. I should always sacrifice because I have a willing heart. But it's not always that easy. We need to be obedient. Listen to the Holy Spirit teach us things. I'm going to share a quick story. There's a, a comedian online. His name is Michael Jr. He shared a story that he wants to be obedient. He may have two bottles of water and walk by a man who is thirsty. His initial reaction as a Christian is to sacrifice, to give one of those bottles to the thirsty person. But check with God. God will probably say, yep, give them the water. God might say, uh, just keep walking, don't give. Maybe God has it on the heart of the next person to give water. Again, be loving, but not, it's not all about sacrifice. What's better than sacrifice? Obedience is better than sacrifice. All right, and we need to be faithful to our calling. Um, we are children. Some of us are parents. Some of us are spouses, employees, leaders, and we need to be faithful to our calling. God has us where you are. God has you where you are for a reason, and God wants you to serve with the right heart. Positions change in work. Positions change in families. Positions change as we grow older, get married, different things. God calls us to different places. When you are there, be there. Be fully engaged. I'm going to serve my wife. So if you could come on up here, Sarah. And uh, I, so if she needs water, I would want to serve her. And I would want to sacrifice. And I would want to bless her. And as, well, hold on a sec. Well, as, who is that? As God wants me to serve, he wants me to focus, right? To pay attention. Um, um, just, God wants me to serve. God wants me to focus and pay attention. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, is it important to focus? It is important to be there. I won't tell you who told me that sometimes I need to turn my phone off and focus and be there. And I also won't tell you that this might have just happened yesterday. But uh, as far as 
hearing that message. But it's important. Be there, serve, focus, pay attention, right? Could I pour water better if I was focusing, even if this is bigger than that one? Okay, all right. Be engaged, focus, be there. Okay, thank you. And uh, sorry, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning with you. I'm learning. Now my daughter uh, doesn't want a cup of water today. She's planning a water balloon fight. So do you think her receiving from me is going to be different than my wife's? I can tell you right now that my daughter would appreciate a water balloon more than my wife would. But uh, wherever you are, serve, serve with a loving, giving heart. God will direct you. God will lead you by the Holy Spirit. Uh, honey, uh, before I left for church today, I raked the grass in front of the back door because God was working on me, and I wrote out my tithe check today. So, Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for leading us. We thank you that we have a heart to serve. We are your children, Lord, and we thank you that as we follow you, we can't go wrong. Um, you have all good things in store for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, just so you know, the uh, boxes for giving are in the back by the doors. You wanted to have prayer before, yeah. yeah. Well, we might as well do it now, because if we don't do it now, we might not do it, you know. We may not do it if we don't do it now at all. I think Gus was going to lead. Oh, well, you guys got this thing figured out. I don't. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We are happy to send these people out. In Jesus' name. I remember the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 1.8, he said, whom can I send? Who will go for me? And the prophet Isaiah said, Lord, send me. And so these people have stepped forward and they have said, Lord, send me. And I think of Jesus in Luke 9. When he sent his disciples out, the Bible says that he gave them power and authority. Power and authority over evil spirits, over the works of the devil, power to heal. Hallelujah. And he said in every city that you go, he said when you enter a house and the spirit of peace is there, to abide there and to come and go from that place. And so we just thank you, Lord, that today these people have stepped forward and said, Lord, send me. And so I just encourage them to remember that God has given them authority and power. Hallelujah. Father, we just ask for that anointing of your Holy Spirit on them as they go. That they walk in faith, that they walk in the power of your Spirit. 
Oh, hallelujah. We thank you for that anointing that breaks the yoke of the enemy. That their eyes are open to see that there is power in the Spirit of the Lord. That they are drawn to Jesus through that Spirit that anoints them as they go. Father, we just ask you to anoint every word they speak. Father, we just cover them with the blood of Jesus now. Father, we, we cover them with your precious blood. And Lord, we just speak Psalm 91 over them today. Psalm 91, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, and the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon you, therefore he will deliver you, and he will set you on high, because you have known his name. And you shall call upon him, and he will answer, and he will be with you in trouble, and he will deliver you and honor you. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, Adam, Adam, and I'm sorry, Josiah. I just want to just say, be remembering to pray for Stefan and Adam are not here, but they're going to be a part of this as well. So please, we, we really, really value your prayers for us. Thank you. Well, I like it when God winks in our life. Psalms 91 is the scripture that I wanted to talk about this morning, and it was just kind of neat the way that Gus brought that out. Anyways, he covered the end of the chapter, and I'll cover the beginning of it. But um, just before we get into that, Oh, good, we do have a clock. I got one of these. I never use it. So I was going to use it this morning. Keep time. Anyways, about 3.30 this morning, I woke up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And there was two things that were on my heart. And I thought, you know... What do we got going on here? New one? Oh. I got a buzzing mic. Anyways, one of the things has to do with God wanting to get out of us. And within this body, this little local body, we've got a plethora of musicians, artists, and very creative people. 
probably, I think per capita, if you wanted to break it down, we're not normal. I mean, you know, we can have five or six groups singing up here. Um, we've got just so many talented people in so many areas. And I know there's been a touch of an emphasis that God wants to do more with that. And what I want to encourage you to do is allow the Holy Spirit to manifest that gifting through you. It's the type of thing that will go on and on and on. It's, it becomes a legacy. Um, one thing that I learned this week by accident, but it seems to dovetail into what I'm trying to say, is uh, how many of you ever got yelled at for putting your elbows on the table? Okay. Now, supposedly, that comes from a God-inspired painting by Leonardo da Vinci called The Last Supper. Guess who the only individual was that put his elbows on the table? Judas. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not saying it's definitely right, but I'm just saying it, it has a legacy and it carries on and on and on. Songs, in particular, that's kind of where my heart is. They do the same thing. Um, Martin Luther, who many of you, you know, we realize he's the, the founder of the Lutheran Church. Um, but you don't know much about his life, but I bet you you know his song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Songs, music, art, some of the things that you are called to create will gravely influence people either for the good or for the bad. Um, I was just thinking about something this weekend. At a, we went down to the Bluegrass concert uh, by Lake, by Lake Itasca. And a young man had died who was like 11 years old. And he was part of a family. And it's like we as people try to say, well, you know, God has his reasons for taking that one. You know, yada, yada, yada. And I recalled something after hearing about that. And I realized it took me decades to get over it. And what it was in connection with this is when I first became a Christian, a friend of mine invited me to a concert. It was a quartet. They were called the Keystones. They later on, three of those people went on to become the Oak Ridge Boys or joined them. So, I mean, they could sing. And uh, 
I always loved good music, good harmonies, so. But I remember one song. It was Mama's Teaching Angels How to Sing. How many of you heard that song? Not anyone. <laughs> oh, you know it, yeah. You know, heaven's bells won't ring because of Mama's Teaching Angels How to Sing. And I don't know why. But I guess at that particular time, we lost my, my dad, my sister, uh, you know, a couple cousins that were really close. And I remember thinking, wow, God's teaching angels how to sing, you know. So all of a sudden, it became okay. Because God took them home. Well, God doesn't take 11-year-old kids home. I mean, if I'm, if I'm kicking your theology around, I'm sorry, but, you know, I just bear with me. It took years to get that concept out of my brain. And it began in 1978. There was an old fisherman. He actually... Uh, came over to the United States on a schooner. He was a friend of my, he was my grand, my friend, it was his grandfather. He was an old fisherman, and he actually fished up in the Bering Straits. Crusty old man. In, in, in his 80s, he decided, well, I think I'll become an evangelist. And I remember his message to Dan, his name was Drum, to Dan Strom and I was, the thief cometh not but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That was like, just like how that song came in and seared into my heart, that was like a sword. Because we'd seen a lot of tragedy in our family. Today, I want to tell you that God is a good God. He's not killing your children. He's fighting for them with you. I don't know all the answers. Don't pretend to. Don't even want to conceive that I have a vague idea. But I will tell you one thing. God sincerely cares for you and yours because they're his. You ever thought about that? His kids are your kids. You're just in custody. Anyways, that song took decades to clean up and to trim away the unbelief and the things that weren't factual. That's why God is rising up, I believe, minstrels and singers and artists who will bring forth truth. One of the interesting things about the revivals in the 70s 
would be that we would get together as groups of kids. We would sing songs based out of the Bible. I, I mean, I don't know how many verses that I, you know, that I learned from song, but it was a lot. But we would sing, and the Holy Spirit would come down. And I'm telling you, sometimes you could cut the atmosphere. It was so thick and so heavy and so glorious. And that's what God wants to do today. I sincerely believe that. Tim was saying, man, I can't wait to sing with the angels. Have you considered maybe the angels can't wait to sing with you right here? And maybe they do. And maybe there will be a day when we actually see that happen. And if you think I'm talking about something new, I'm not. If you go down to North Carolina in that area, it's called the Bible Belt. There there were revivals down there that we don't have precedence for in our modern day. There would be a small building maybe that could house maybe 20 people. And uh, they'd hear about a meeting. God was there. They'd cut down trees so people could stand up on a stump and sing. And that was the thing that was characteristic of that revival and of the Welsh revival also. And they would literally wear out song leaders. They'd get up there and they'd start singing and the people would just gather around and the power of God would fall. And it got to the point where people that were coming to the meetings in buckboards were being slain in the spirit. They didn't know what to call it. They felt call it falling under the power. Uh, they'd be five miles away. And they said you could hear that singing moving through the mountains. And literally they were, they, were, they were under the power of the Holy Spirit and the only way that they got to that meeting was the horses didn't stop. Horses kept on going. So these, these uh, buckboards full of people would be all <laughs> under the power of the Holy Spirit and a horse would walk right in. I long for those kind of days to occur. And if you're inclined in the area of music, I know God wants to put songs in you and through you. The other thing that we need to guard against is we need to sing our song to the Lord not about the Lord. Very important. Okay. There was one other area ties into this. If you are really good at something, the world recognizes it. They like you. They want to be around you. 
friend of mine who is very talented in a lot of areas, he's not a musician and he's not a poet, but he's just really good at things. Well, we were talking, in fact, this weekend, and he said, talking about an individual, and he goes, you know, first time I met that guy, he says, I started telling him about Jesus. He said, really? Yep. He said, he told me he didn't want to hear about Jesus. But I told him, I'll do this one time, and you're going to listen, and then after that, I will never mention it again. So he talked to the guy for 25 minutes, but the guy wanted to be his friend because he's just one of those people. It's really good to know him. (laughs) And uh, he was telling me that, and I looked at him, and I said, I know that guy. And I said, I can see fear in his eyes. I said, he's afraid. He's afraid all the time. And this friend of mine looked at me, and he goes, You know, he said, when I first became a Christian, I thought I was going to go crazy. He said, I was in a small room, and he said, fear came on me. And he said, I was so frightened. You wouldn't think this guy would be that way, but he was. And he said, I battled with it for hours. I didn't know what to do. And he said... As I sat in that room, it was like a wind came in through. There was no windows, by the way. He said there were no windows, no doors open. He said a wind came in and blew his Bible a few pages. And he looked down and it talked about God's love. I don't remember the verse and he didn't share it, but God loves me. Change things. Then he said, it came to him, Satan, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And he said, or he used some other term, but I'm kind of condensing it. He said that fear left just instantaneously. The second thing I want to say this morning is do not be afraid. The worst thing that can happen to you if you're born again is you can die. And that's not bad at all. Don't cling to something that's not worth it. Treat fear like you would a slug. Would you let a big slimy slug lie on your kitchen floor? You'd kick that thing right out. You'd put it in the dustpan and throw it out. When fear tries to come on you, stand hard against it. And um, we got about 10 minutes here to get into what I want to talk about. Psalms 91, if you've got it, Josh, if you don't. And by the way, this is is another song. In him we are... uh, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. In those two verses, I'm going to condense this. God has six, God is named six times with six different names. 
those names are there so that we have the benefit of seeing into the nature of God. God doesn't need a lot of names for his own ego. He does it for our sake. Um, it is thought that Psalms 90 and 91 were written by Moses just when they were ready to embark on their 40-day wander, our 40-year wandering in the desert. And that does have some significance in that when you start seeing Psalms 91 and thinking about the children of Israel, you get a concept. Let's put it this way. It's like putting salt on a really good meal. It brings out the flavor, okay? He that dwelleth, the word dwell um, is a shab, and it means to sit down, to remain, to settle in the sense of taking up a homestead or staking out a claim and resisting uh, anyone who wants to jump your claim. Okay? So it's like a homestead. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Secret is, of course, just a, a kind of a place where we hide. It's like a hiding place. You might ask, well, he that dwelleth takes up his homestead in the secret place of the Most High. How do you get there? I mean, that's always been my question when it came to things like this. Well, do I have to do these five steps? No. Not as a born-again Christian. You do not. You're there. Colossians 3.3 3. Oh, good, we got it. Uh, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. I was just thinking, hiding place, you're already there. The problem is, it doesn't seem like it's a reality sometimes. And um, how do we make it a reality? I mean, it's real in God's view, God says, you're in the secret place. You're in Christ. The way we make it real is we've got to renew our mind. We've got to find scriptures that talk about our union with Christ. We need to meditate on them until they become a reality. And we need to confess them. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. That's where I hang out. It's where I live. It's my hiding place. Um, the word Most High, or the, the, the name of God Most High is El Elyon. And what's really interesting about that is that is the highest most unique supremacy. Um, it, it's like the majestic part of God. It's, it's like when you would walk into 
the courts of heaven and El Elyon is on display, you would not walk. You would be on your face. There is no one higher than God, no one close to God. And I took this back to Moses. And I started meditating on this, and I could see Moses coming into Egypt. He probably looks kind of beat up, and his clothes are dusty and tattered. He probably smells like sheep or camel. And he is going to go before the most high ruler of the greatest nation in the world. Whoa. So, <laughs> there's a confrontation. If you remember Moses and, and Pharaoh. And um, basically... Pharaoh was reduced to a bath in the Red Sea, which he never got out of. Egypt was like from a third world country, our first world country down to a third world country, totally decimated. The Most High, when he has a plan, no man can stand before it. Doesn't happen. Then I started uh, I just looking at Psalms 97, 9. It says, You, O Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Pharaoh thought he was God. Not even close. Lamentations 3.38 Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? I would say that Pharaoh hit some calamities. Big time. You don't mess with the Most High. I know back in the day when we used to sing and, and worship and the Holy Spirit would fall on us. We used to say, there's no high like the most high. Because his glory was so incredible. And in Daniel 3.26, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar approached the opening of the blazing furnace and, sh and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. The Most High can protect you. If you have any fear, you need to start saying, do you know who my daddy is? He's the Most High. You know, it's no problem for him to take care of me. Fires are not an issue. 
Um, probably we'll get close to closing here, but there was a story that I have always been impressed with. It has to do with the fire. How many of you use cur canning jars? Anyone? No one uses cur. They're all me. Oh, there's one. There's two. You need to use cur. No. (laughs) It's a story about Alexander Kerr and God's faithfulness. It said, Mr. Kerr became a Christian and learned of God's God's fulfillment of blessing. Okay, I'm going to cut that out. Kerr owned a canning jar business out in San Francisco. Okay. When the earthquake and fire consumed most of the building and businesses around the region, many thought he was surely ruined financially as his inventory was glass inside a wooden oil-soaked building. Mr. Kerr learned of the earthquake well away and was told his business was in the heart of the fire. At the, at the time of the San Francisco earthquake in 1906, this firm was, was manufacturing his fruit jars. Mr. Kerr immediately boarded a train for San Francisco. This, fac- this factory was a two-story wooden building containing huge tubs or tanks where the glass was melted. These tanks were kept at extremely high temperatures. Oil was used for fuel, and therefore this building was the most flammable in San Francisco. The fire had raged on all sides of this glass factory, creeping up to the wooden fence surrounding the building and even scorching it. The flames and the fire leaped around and over and beyond the building, burning everything in its path. However, not even the wooden fence was burnt, nor the building, and not a single glass jar was cracked by the earthquake or the fire. The Most High God. You got any buildings? You got things you're concerned about? Don't fear. Dwell. Dwell in his presence. Worship. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I'll probably just stop with this one. The um, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty is... uh, Stop, I guess I got El Shaddai. And um, that is the God who is more than enough. You got some shortages? He's more than enough. Again, going back to the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they basically, well, they plundered Egypt. They wanted to get rid of them so bad they gave them clothes and jewels and diamonds and, I mean, uh, gold and silver. But then they were out in the desert. And um, I'm going to condense this. 
When they were in the desert, they had no needs because the shadow of the Almighty was above them. At night, it provided warmth and, and uh, heat because deserts get really cold when the sun goes down. During the day, the cloud provided them with shade from the blistering heat. It said that, um, I believe in Deuteronomy, that uh, Deuteronomy, oh well, I think it's 21.5, I, I led you in the, in the wilderness, neither you, neither your clothes or your sandals on your feet wore out. So if you were in that group, you wanted to have the right pair of shoes to start with because you didn't get to wear them out. Anyways, under his shadow, there's total provision. You know, it said there wasn't even one feeble one among them. Now, that's a lot of people. You got over, I don't know, I've heard all kinds of estimates, millions of people out in the desert, and you don't have one person that's feeble. Not one. Yeah, don't have people throwing shoes away. They don't wear them out. Their clothes are just fine. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Wow. The trouble with us today is we don't look at God as a supernatural God. We got it all figured out with our little brains and we're going to do it our way. We have a Father that wants to provide for us, wants to take care of us. Um, okay, so anyways, I guess that's good for this morning. Dwell on that. Think on it. Your homestead is in Him, in God. You're camped under his provision in his shadow. For my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Glory is his manifest presence. So, anyways, the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Hallelujah. Go your way rejoicing in who he is. And if you need prayer or Counseling or something, we have altar ministers. God bless you.